Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking it to you with another episode of the show. The campaign, Beckons of the Herald of Steel, the adventure, the elders, and the quest. The, what was it, the value of life? I don't know. Who's running this game today? Yeah. You titled it The Value of Life, yes. All right, Anthony, go ahead. Keep going. I didn't write anything for this game. You gotta run it. All right, fine. I guess I'll do it. So anyway, in the last episode of the show, our friends had made it out of Boltscrag Peak uh, after having defeated the evil super spider shadow beast known as Felure, or at least the aspect of it. And after meeting with the key Ren, which was sent from above by the Illuminator itself to go protect the mountaintop, the party made it down the mountain only to realize as they were on their way to go tell the queen what's going on, carrying the... uh, dead body of uh, Obroth's sister there, Antonia, um, that apparently there's a strange group of monsters parading down the road on the same direction uh, to the city of Eagleheart. So I guess we left off with these spooky men with shrapnel, uh, metal shrapnel hanging out of their bodies on all ends and whatnot. We kind of left off with you guys. What was it? Uh, Jarzak was trying to tell them that he wanted to be cooked, spit roasted over a fire. Was that was that what it was that he said? Yeah, definitely. That's that's I think <laughs> what's going on here. Jarzak really wants that out of his life. But they, uh, you you spoke to them in Infernal, correct? <laughs> yeah, and they spoke back in Infernal, which is usually not a good sign. It's like one of those like. You're excited because you got it right, but also the implications are very scary. So I guess we pretty much just pick up right as soon as those things are leveling their weapons. And as far as I know, they're only about 50 or so feet away from you guys at this point. Um, and so we might as well just start rolling the initiative. They know you guys are there as they kind of called you out on that. So let's just get into it. Rolling initiative. I got a swag five. I forgot I switched over to these new dice. Fuck, that's weird. Well, anybody get below a five? I did not. I have gotten a 19. Damn. Anybody beat 19? 21. Of course. So, Klika, Norhill. 10. So, Klika, Norhill, Anton, Jarzak, me. Okay, cool. 
So Klika, at the top of the round, I believe you're still beside the uh, leveled tree. You guys are all hiding behind for the time being, waiting for them to come around the bend. Um, those critters, all four of them, are about 50 or so feet away from you, and they all seem to be brandishing swords and shields, and they look like they're ready to go. So what would you like to do? I will use a bonus action to cast Shadow Blade and then use my light crossbow to take a shot at one of them. Aye, aye. All right, fire away. Nat 20. Ooh, Ooh that's shit. a cool effect. That's a, that's, a, that's a hot start to this. All right, so what do we got for damage? 15 damage. You killed it. So Bang! Fire just <laughs> leap up over the, uh, over the side of the log, and you just headshot one of them, and it just falls to the ground with a thud. Klika looks at her shadow blade like maybe she wasted a spell slot. She <laughs> secretly hates this shadow blade. <laughs> Very good. Uh, were you going to move on this turn, or are you just going to hang out? I'm just going to wait for them to get closer to us. Okay. Is it going to be difficult terrain or anything for us to get down to them or them to come up up to us? You guys are running on the side of the road. So now it goes to Norhill. How far away are they? 50 feet. And you remember that these guys were brandishing weapons that look to be of dwarvish make. All right, yeah. So Norhill is going to uh, run up his full speed and surge to close the distance. Okay. So now in base contact, what would you like to do? I'm going to take a swing at one of them. Roger, roger. Uh, let's see. So that's going to be a 21 to hit. That's a hit. Oh, right. And I'm going to turn that hit into a goading attack. Okay. Not a, not, no, not a goading attack, a disarming attack. Okay. Because they're wielding swords and shields, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's see. Do I have to make a saving throw? Uh, yes, you are going to need to make a DC 14 strength saving throw. And I got a 15. Okay, so it's not going to drop its weapon, but it's still going to take a whole bunch of damage. Six, 21 points of damage. Oh, fucking all right. So he's goddamn dead too. All right, so two of them are left standing there after seeing one of them get headshotted. Norhill fucking double takes, sprints up there, and smacks one of them to death with the uh, the fancy lightning pick there. Uh, now we go to Anton. Uh, what would you like to do? Um, I was going to hit one of them with a sacred flame, but I kind of want to figure out what the hell one of these things are first while it's alive. Um, would a religion trick help me at all with like just getting an idea of, like, does this have any religious ties or is this something beyond? Yeah, uh, I think there would be a religion check for this individual. Cool. Ah, oh, I fumbled, so I don't fucking know shit. What the hell are those? <laughs> it's the pot and pans come to life. All right. So now, what else would you like to do? Sacred flame because I don't know what the hell it is. I'll attack one of them left or right, and it has to be the dex of a 13. All right, I got a 14. Okay, it did nothing. 
<laughs> so he managed to do a sweet kickflip over your sacred flame. Yeah, he's like, I can't, I can't imagine what these things are. He's a bit then baffled. He goes to Jarzak. Oh, well, Jarzak, now you have to kill two of them because Anton dropped the ball. Oh, perfect. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Jarzak's going to cast uh, Eldritch Blast on the same one Kleeko was going for. That one's dead. Okay, my bad. The, I guess the one Anton was going for. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, 23 to hit? Yeah, I think that's a hit. For five damage. Okay. And so with that, uh, you whiff an Eldritch Blast out at him, and you manage to nuke the guy, hitting him a, a bit. You see some of the metal shrapnel fall to the ground with a clang of metal, but it's not enough to kill him. Oh. And I'm going to move away. So I'm not You want to be more than 50 feet away? Yeah, I'll go to 60. Okay. Okay, so you move away from the tree stump that you guys are all hiding behind. Okay, and now I'm going to need a saving throw. Klika, can you roll me an intelligent saving throw? Probably successfully or just toss some numbers out? I mean, you know, I would hope you can roll it and tell me what the number is, and we'll, we'll figure out when we get there. 16 minus 115. Okay, and so with that, you feel a strange compulsion in your brain turning you towards Anton and you feel your shadow blade for some reason, feeling a little bit looser and closer to your hands. Um, yeah. But you managed to kind of shake it and get back to the heat of battle real quick. Um, but as soon as you kind of turn your gaze and look back out there, uh, Norhill, what's your armor class? 18. Oh, shit. Okay. I rolled a 19 and a 20 and that is, that is not with bonuses. Um, okay. So with that, from behind, uh, you feel an intense, sharp pain in the back of your shoulder, um, diving towards your lungs um, as, oh my goodness me. Okay. Do, 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 do. Everybody around you can see. Oh, that's actually, well, I mean, that's terrible, but for a crit, that's not that bad. Okay. So with that, uh, you take 19 points of damage. Uh, do you have resistances towards? Uh, let's see. So I resist non-magical bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Okay. Uh, DR3. Okay. So then in that case, you take all the damage other than the, the three points of the uh, reduction. It's not a magical attack. Okay. Yeah. So I take 16 points of damage. Indeed. Um, and what everybody else can see from behind Norhill, who is the only one who ran up, you see a dwarf-sized figure materialize out of absolutely nothing with its dagger embedded deep in his back. And the overall stocky stature and everything, this thing looks like a dwarf, just every which way you can describe it. Um, anybody, let's see, I'm trying to think who would actually know about these. I think Norhill would probably be the only one who has a very firm understanding. Um, but yeah, does anybody have history? Okay, history. Or I think yeah. it's I think it's like everyone with except Jarzak has history. <laughs> Damn. I have nature. I have right. nature though. All right, you go. Uh, I guess everybody can roll for it. I got a nineteen. Oh, uh, uh, eighteen nature. Okay. I got eleven history. So, we got a seven history. 
uh, Norhill knows these things like the back of his hand. Uh, this is in fact a Durger, and Durger yeah. are the under dwarves. These are the, from what everybody can know, because everybody's pretty smart. Anton doesn't know all this stuff as keenly, but everybody else knows it pretty much well enough. But they are lawfully evil. They are like the worst side of capitalism where they've justified things like slavery and poor work conditions, minimalist design to products. Like they're all about profit and just like being a mechanized machine towards progress. But usually that progress is not pretty. It's not good. And so seeing one of these things uh, is terrifying, but seeing one materialize out of nothingness uh, both Jarzak and Klika know pretty well. These things have some level of control over psionic magics and mind magics. Um, and they also have strange capabilities with things like machinery and making strange, weird, spiritually bound machines out of like souls of Durger who broke the rules in society. So they are just terrifying beings altogether. But with that in mind, there's one of them with a knife in Norhill's back. Um, and at this point in time, um, the two remaining doofuses before you, uh, Norhill, one of them is going to force you to roll a dexterity saving throw. Seven. Oh, yikes. Okay. And so with that, the uh, other one swings in with his sword and he stabs you with the gladius with a 21. Yo, this, when did I all of a sudden become... You know, you guys wiped out two of them right off the bat. So I feel like this is kind of fair in some dimension. You take six points of damage uh, from uh, the blade. Is that before the reduction? I'm, I'm never going to calculate the reduction for you. I'll let you do that one. But um, the... Not to sound like a jerk about it, but I'm like, I'm going to forget. And I don't want to, you know, end up screwing you with that. But... Yeah, I don't want to accidentally add it twice on the other side of things. Sure. So as the... A Durgar stabs you in the back with the knife and you like turn a little bit to see him. You can see that he's wearing what almost looks like a metal faceplate of sorts that covers half of his face. Uh, he's wearing a hood and a bunch of gray robes and you can tell that his dagger that he's now pulled out of your back, it looks to be like poisoned, but in a weird way that glimmers black as if like this is some weird kind of like not organic poisonous kind of junk but as you do a quick look back one of them one of those weird blade covered things stabs you in the side and as you quickly jerk from the reeling pain of it the one directly next to you all of a sudden protrudes a bunch of those metal blades and they come flying out of its body towards you and in a storm of small razor blades they impale you god damn it i rolled maximum damage you take Actually, well, it's not maximum. You take 11 points of damage, which you can reduce um, as these razor blades just come shooting out of it in like a little storm. And you can see that those razor blades are no longer on its body. Uh, but yeah, okay. Norhill got souffled out there. That, that Norhill is not doing so good. They seem to I have need to every heal single you. little hole in his armor. And so now we go to the top of the round for Klika. Hey, uh, they're all just gathered up on Norhill, 50 feet away, just like kicking the ever-loving shit out of them, right? None of them got any closer. They are all right. the bejeebies out of them. Click on move up 30 feet uh, and make a ranged attack with her shadow blade. So she's just going to chuck it at one of the dudes. 
what time of day is it? One one of the blade covered guys or the Durgar? Um, probably one of the blade covered guys. Did you want to go for the one Charzak already wounded? Yeah. Okay. And it is about midday heading towards nighttime, so it's dark enough out. Nice. And for Anton's information also, the Durgar are light sensitive and they do not like to be out in the daylight, so all right so soft 20 on the wounded metal monster that's good and that'll be 12 psychic damage as i chuck the shadow blade through it holy cow and he dies okay and then i'll use a bonus action to call it back to me Okay. So as the thing goes flying through its head without leaving an entry wound or an exit wound, the thing falls to the ground dead, and the blade flies back to your hand as you scoop it from the shadow of night. Um, and was that it for your turn? Uh, yes. So you're going to be 20 feet away from that little melee because you moved up to 30? Yeah, because I can't get any closer right now and not attack. Okie dokie. And now it goes to Norhill. What do you got for me? Norhill is going to spin around and face the uh, the Druger straight on. Okay. And attempt to attack it with righteous fury. <laughs> Special move, or is that just anger? <laughs> well, it would be um, if I was capable of hitting on a natural one. Oh, oh no, oh no. So as, as you're bloodstruck and so heartily wounded from these attacks, you swing in with fury, but unfortunately you miss your mark and hit the ground, kicking up stone and snow and ice. And as you miss, you hear the Durgar speak to you in Dwarvish as he barks back at you and he says, your family is dead, your clan, they weep. In shackles, they serve us. And uh, uh, bonus action, the second wind. <laughs> Maximum, though. That'll serve you till the next round. Okay, and now it goes to Anton. I'm just confirming if I can't get in touching range of him without an attack of opportunity, right? Uh, you are 50 feet away. If you were to get to touching range, you'd have to. Oh, it takes some time. But you have Got healing it. word, don't you? Well, yeah, I was going to do healing word. Yeah, I mean, and then. Yeah. If you wanted to, you could move up 30 feet to be next to Klika, and then you could try to healing word from 20 feet away from the combat. That way, at least you're close enough that the next turn you could potentially keep moving up. Yeah, I'll do that. I want it known that that's voluntary advice. Yeah, that's fine. I'm going to move up to Klika and get up ahead. Okay. So, I've been a me. I've Don't been worry. like a. I've been. Punched to death before, I could deal with it again. So the white dragon swoops oh, down. Wait. <laughs> you get six Breath points of health back. Sorry, how many? Six. Sorry, it's not the best of healing spells. I, it's um, the way Dan said that's voluntary made it seem like so when this goes wrong for you, you can't say I told you to do it. Remember. That's exactly what it is, and I'm glad that you picked up on that. Oh anyway, uh, what you got, Jarzak? You gonna do something? Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna Eldritch Blast again. Roger. 
Jarzak wants nothing to do with these guys. Uh, are, you, are you shooting from afar at the blade-covered guy, or did you want to throw it at the Duerger? Um, I'll throw it at the Duerger. Okay. That's a 22 to hit. That's a hit. It's a five again for damage. Dang. Okay. And so you goose that guy for a good chunk of damage, but he seems to be relatively unfazed by the Eldritch Magics. It hurt, but it doesn't look like he is somebody who's unfamiliar with pain. And so, shrugging that off, was there anything else you wanted to do? Uh, that is it. No one's close to me right now, right? No, you're 60 feet away from everybody. Perfect. Yeah, I thought that's what you were going to say. <laughs> hey, Klika, can you roll me another intelligence saving throw? I can try. You got a goof on one of these. I sure do. That's an 11. (laughs) So with that, you actually, you, uh... I'm glad I summoned the Shadow Blade Black this turn. I was reading the wrong saving throw. I was reading the saving throw for that deck save uh, that Norhill had to do. No, no, no. You failed this one. Go ahead and roll an attack on Anton. Yeah, no, I'm just saying I'm, I'm glad I summon the shadow blade back at the end of my last turn instead of waiting. And so with that, the uh, Duerger, after getting hit by Jarzak's Eldritch Blast, turned back and saw Klika, and Anton had moved up, and with a flick of his wrist, you see Klika's hand reach for the shadow blade again and just stabbing at Anton. Does a 25 hit you, Anton? Yeah, what the fuck? That's not nice. (laughs) That's 14 psychic damage. Now, am I allowed to use sorcery points? <laughs> Should I put some spikes on it? Give her a booming blade? <laughs> now, Anton, don't move. <laughs> I have to go heal. <laughs> um, just falls dead. All right. Um, okay, and so now, uh, was that the end of your attacks on Anton, or did you have any more saved up? Uh, like I said, that's like how hard do I have to? It's not my turn, so I don't know. Like, I don't know. That, I... That, that's it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> then yeah, I should be all set now. After cackling in hideous laughter, it turns back to Norhill and stabs him again with its blade. Now, if I roll another crit, should we just end the game? Yeah, that, that'll be it right well, there. That's oh. not no. I rolled a I rolled a natural one. So as he cackling in his mocking derisive tone, he turns back and swings in on Norhill, thinking he's gonna sink it right in his heart. But Norhill's already dashed to the side with dwarvish fury. And as that happens, he goes, Ooh. um, but now the one with the blade behind him, the bladey guy, he swings in again with his sword. And with that, I got a I want to make sure I got the right number. You. Yeah. Uh, it is a 17. What's your armor class? 18. Oh, swag. So he swings in now with his offhand and he tries to claw you. And I rolled another one. I'm throwing this dice away. Um, but that's it for their turn. And with that, the Durgar echoes back in Dwarfish and he says, I serve the machine. I can die here, but progress will be made. You will never win. Okay, Klika. Does Klika know what she just did? Yeah, she felt it. Just felt like a weird psychic. Like, uh, kind of like I imagine it's kind of like in those weird psych experiments where they like have somebody's skull open and they like put little electric nodes on your brain and make your body like involuntarily do stuff. 
I imagine that's what it probably felt like. Like you felt it, you just had absolutely no control over it happening. Okay, yeah, Cleek is just gonna look up at Anton, like half starting to cry, and just say, "Oh, um, no, Cleek didn't really want to do that." Anton just bleeding out on the ground, just clutching his throat. <laughs> and then she's gonna put it's some distance. Clinking between her and get, try and get to a flanking position with Norhill and one of the Jorger, because there's, are there two of them? Just the one. Just the one? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the guys covered in blades are like a foot taller than both Norhill and Anton. I mean, um, um, Nor, Norhill and the Jorger. Okay. So, oh, oh stop. <laughs> what are you telling us stop? <laughs> The D&D Beyond. Ah, uh, does a 16 hit? It sure do. Okay, so that's gonna be with a booming blade on the Dwarger for 14 psychic damage, and then I'm gonna spend two sorcery points to quicken spell and make another attack. Uh, 24 should hit. I would hope so. And that's As the dungeon master. I would hope that does. 12 damage. So 26 damage total. Damn. Okay, so this thing is heartily, bloodily wounded, and it does not look to be long for this world. But again, cackling as it does, it turns on to Kliga and back to Norhill quickly, and it says in Dwarvish again. I don't think anybody speaks Dwarvish except for Norhill, right? Oh. oh, so you hear this as well. And you know yeah. that the Durger and the other dwarves uh, they are very much so mortal enemies. Like, this is not something that is a surprise that this thing is only going for Norhill, really. Um, but with that, the thing cackles back again in Dwarvish, looking at Norhill, and it says, Finish me. Kill me. I have failed where many will succeed. And on Norhill's turn, uh, if that's it for Klika? Yes. With, on Norhill's turn, the thing drops to its knees and submits. Bitch. Uh, yeah, Norhill does it. Okay. Um, so you just go to the flat end and blunt the thing's head? Yeah. yeah Norhill's going to go ahead and invent the game of golf right here. <laughs> Ew. So that with a hefty thunk, the thing's ended, and it falls to the ground with a thump as the bleated being behind you um, just kind of stands there battle ready as if unfazed by what it's seen, as if built for war. <laughs> Did you have anything else you could do on your turn? Uh, well, Norhill's going to move a little bit. He's going to put himself between um, the bladed being and Klika. Okay. And so now it goes to Anton. Um, I was going to Scorching Ray, but that might be much. That That is quite a bit much. Sacred Flame wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah, I guess I'll just do Sacred Flame again. Has to just beat a 13. Okay, I got no give 11. him a bop. Just give him a good old mace bop. Yeah, hit him with the backside of the mace. <laughs> give him a little what's up. But I, I haven't used the mace in a long time. <laughs> I don't want to say it shows, but I feel like the fact you're going to swing the handle at him, I feel like that shows. But I got an 11, so I'll go ahead and roll damage. Okay. Is this a D8 plus casting modifier, or is it just D8? Uh, this is just a D8. Okay. 
points of damage. Dang. Okay. So this thing's heftily wounded, uh, standing there, holding on to its dear, fragile little life before it dies. Uh, now it goes to Jarzak. Uh, Jarzak's on a on a streak. He's just guys. Did did you see? It's not broken anymore. It's wor- This one's working again. I told you it could do stuff. <laughs> Seventeen to hit. That's good. Eight damage. Damn. And so with that, you whiff the last one as it's wounded from the sacred flame, and this one falls to the ground dead in a heap. You see? It's, uh, it, it's not broken. This is the only thing he's concerned with. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe it was just because we were inside. It's an outside spell. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And so with that, Jarzak wants to only cast the spell outside. We're gonna have to start casting hallucinatory terrain a lot more around here. <laughs> We're outside. Trick the spell, not the Jarzak. But anyway, um, so how's Norhill feeling after hearing all that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, ha- I'm gonna heal him anyway. Uh, uh, so looking at Norhill, you can clearly see that he's managed to shake off most of the fatigue of battle. Does that mean he healed himself, or are you saying like more just how he looks? Well, I I mean, yeah, that's how he looks, but also second wind heals. So, uh, how much health do you think? Do you need extra strong health or like regular health? <laughs> How hardly are you wounded? <laughs> Not badly at all. I mean, d- d- visibly, you know, he's, he's got some cuts, but nothing that a good night's sleep wouldn't heal. I'm going to heal you anyway, because I can tell this <laughs> hurts your soul a little. <laughs> the you get heal- six, points, six points back. Now the heal doesn't work on the soul, though. <laughs> I can if you believe in the light and I'm gonna heal myself because that hurt too. <laughs> and so with that, um Anton, you heard what they said about Norhill and the clan and everything. Um so I guess if the party would like to, they can just head back on the trail and keep moving. Or you guys could do a little biopsy on these little guys on the ground over here. Take all bets. Uh, the bladed things, Norhill is going to like look under their armor. Are they like human? They look to be of like human-ish dimensions, but again, they look to be like almost like how a scarecrow's stuffed with hay. They look to be stuffed with like iron filings, bits of rusted metal, and the blades poking through. Ugh. Yeah. But they look to be like living beings. Like they're not like a skin suit running around. Like it's like it looks like a living being when it's alive. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's bad. So it's just a scarecrow stuffed full of metal. I mean, give or take, I suppose. Um, Anton's just gonna look toward Norhill and say, "I think it may be best we only see the queen to show we've ended the quest and head toward the mountains right away." Yes, that's right. If if the queen's word means a single thing, she'll help. 
He just gives him a pat on the back and he just looks for good as like we have to get moving. Right on the stab wound. Ow! Um, but there's <laughs> still razor blade in there. But um, okay, and so with that the uh, party, if there's any role playing else to be done, forever hold your peace. Okay, so the party continues on their merry way. Did you guys want to continue traveling through the night, or did you want to break? It looks like you guys would probably be able to make it to the Queen by like ten o'clock, eleven o'clock at night. Think through the night. Okay, so with that the party continue through the night, um, moving fast. Haste, uh, with, with great haste towards the uh, to the capital, towards the castle, and as you guys make it to uh, Eagle Heart and move it inside to the uh, castle, uh, the city walls, down the various streets through the snow-covered grounds out here, the bitter, biting, cold winds of the sea um, pull at you guys' cloaks and stuff as you move through the uh, city streets. But once you start getting closer to the castle, you feel a sense of almost like. I don't know, uplifting spirit, I guess. As you can see, the lights are still on in the castle. So it shows that at least the worst didn't happen to the castle yet. Queen's probably still alive, maybe, who knows. But once you guys get up to the entrance, the uh, oh-so-famous knight guy that you guys have met with a few times before greets you guys at the uh, outer castle walls. And once he sees you guys with a corpse in tow on your little square-wheeled gurney, um, he immediately guides you guys in. Um... And so with that, he brings you into the same quarters you had been in before, before saying that um, the queen is being woken from her sleep to come meet with you guys. So the fact that at least the queen is to be woken from her sleep at all shows that, you know what I mean, something didn't happen to her, which is kind of nice. And so after about 30 or so minutes of waiting, you guys are brought to the royal chambers, um, not her bed chambers, but sort of the room with her throne in it at the end of the long hall there. And you guys are sort of guided up to it where she wears something that I would describe as being probably the most regal nighty you guys have ever seen. Um, and her hair, even though she was clearly like in bed, is kind of Marge Simpson all the way up with tons of little bobbles and, and beadles all over it, just kind of uh, making it look fancy schmancy. And she sits there in a and a look of, I don't know how to say it. It would be a mix between being very grateful and gracious to see you, but also a look like we got some talking to do. And as you guys approach, what would you like to do? Oh, what do we do with the body? Shit. I imagine the knight kind of took it and brought it to a separate chamber. I don't think you guys brought your little dead body with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm assuming we did it. <laughs> and so with that um so how do you guys greet the queen well i guess we all bow then we say at this time we can safely ensure your safety is insured <laughs> are you oh, sure boy. my safety is insured <laughs> would you safely ensure that my safety is insured um but no, with that, she gives a nod and she says, word spreads fast. She says, there were various dark piles of dust sort of left about on the various streets and even within the city streets. It seems that there were agents kind of climbing up to the castle as was, but all of a sudden, about a week ago, they all just turned to black dust. We assumed maybe something had happened on your end, but to see you all come back in one piece shows me that you have succeeded in your quest. And she says, and for this reason, for having done such a great deed to the city, I would love to knight you all in the name under the banner 
of Amaroth. And with that, she sort of says, there couldn't be a royal ceremony for this as I would like to bolster the confidence my people have in us for hiring people like you to do such a quest. Um, but as she looks from Jarzak to Norhill to Klika and then back over at Anton, she says, but something tells me just from the look on your faces that there's perhaps something more important you'd like to talk about first. Whatever this is, it isn't over. Uh, there's something else at work here. And with that, she kind of nods a couple times and she says, Mr. Hammerstone, she says, I didn't know a good way of saying this, but we've been told that the gateways to the mountains of silver and steel have opened. And it seems that that which has left the gates is not pretty. And she says, we have seen no dwarves apart from Durger, as well as strange metal people who seem to be driven by certain machinations of war under, I guess, the direction of the Durgar, but it's hard to say what we've seen. All we know is that it's dangerous to be traveling at night and it is dangerous to travel alone. So we're not entirely sure what's going on, but my insights in this, people have told me that those beings that are near made of metal are not of this plane of existence. And if they've been pulled here from some infernal location to serve under something of great power. To assume this is the Duergar themselves that have pulled this in seems feasible, but I'm not sure why the Duergar would be behind such a feat and why they would be behind such a task. And for somebody to be able to bring beings in from a different dimension like that, they would need some sort of great power to do so some sort of a planar gate, something of a portal of some sort. But unfortunately, we haven't heard of that sort of thing in quite some time. So I don't know if you've learned anything in your travels or if perhaps the eyes of Felure were in some way in cahoots with these beings. But if there's anything you can tell me, by all means. These had something that could be reasonably described as a gate. And so she says, I should want to tell those who know about these things, but unfortunately we haven't heard of such gates in hundreds of years. And so everything we have is passed down in books with really difficult to understand descriptions. If you've seen a portal like this, I think you may be the closest link that we have and have the most information out of anybody. She says, but the only people who would know about such things would be masters of the old magic. And that would probably be the elves. But even then, I don't think that they would have counsel with us. But you found that within the mountain? I'm assuming she knows that you guys went to the mountain and did all that. Yeah, uh, Norhill would have given her a full report uh, as the, the first chance he got. Right. And so with that, she says, and I'm assuming you guys found the portal deep within the mountain? as close to its root as anybody was ever going to get. And so I guess for the sake of role-playing, she also asked, she says, and so where was this location of the mountain? What was this place that they called home? Boltcrag Peak. And she kind of like searches her thoughts for a moment and then almost like you see her eyes kind of roll back a little bit as she's like, 
as her eyes widen, she says, he says, that place hasn't been in, in function since the war. She says, I guess that would make sense that they'd hide out in a place like that, but still, gnomes haven't been in those mountains in quite some time. I guess it makes sense that they'd take up their residence. But with that, um, did anybody feel any inclinations to tell her that maybe we found some interesting business with inside Bullscrag Peak? Maybe talking about the historical relevance? Yeah, 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 yeah Norhill <laughs> does. There's something very strange about all of this uh, uh, concerning you know the War of the Bleeding Stone and the gnomes, the Herald of Steel, and now the Draugr pouring from the gates of my own home. And so with that, she says, she says, what what could the gnomes have? Because I imagine you probably tell them about that funky yeah, the business. No, the, no, the gnomes were manipulated. Uh, whatever oh. betrayals they are guilty of at the War of the Bleeding Stone were not decided upon by themselves as a whole people. And so that she kind of leans to the side a little bit in her throne very un, un, unproperly. And she leans to the side a little bit and she has like a what kind of moment and she kind of looks around back at everybody in the room again and she says what is this an act of the great deceiver who could have how would the perhaps the Durger had 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 something to do with this perhaps they yeah, had the Durger are known to be liars and deceivers right but you're right this is an act of the great deceiver indeed but we do have a Kiron now guarding the location very herald of my god. I doubt we'll have any issues from that portal soon. If they do, I feel I'd know it. With every mention of the deceiver, Jarzak, you do feel that tingle in the back of your neck and it says, they will know our names. Yeah, that's a little bit why Jarzak's just keep him quiet right now. Just, oh, deceiver. That guy. Uh-huh. Super misunderstood. Arr, but he looks so evil on paper. <laughs> but with that, um, she says, as she's a little bit astonished by Anton making that claim, and she says, well, if the key run is to protect that place, then I guess we shouldn't worry about anything, any outside influences getting in. She says, this is great news. She says, perhaps the Church of Glory Wake, perhaps they already know of this. Have you spoken with the high priest already? Well, actually, you would probably know that you didn't have enough time to just jet over there and jet back. So with that, she says, perhaps you must make counsel with him. But if there is a portal within that mountain, were there any there who, who did, was, it in, was it in use? Was it capable of functioning? And Klika has that strange moment of, you know, remembrance to where she remembers the thing kind of activating when she got close to it. But with that, she says, were there any who saw it in function? Did you see it function? Um, well, when Klika got close to it, Klika could feel something, some kind of presence was there, but it didn't seem bad to Klika. It, Klika didn't sense any hostility or anger and so with that she says did you notice anything else strange at the location of the portal did anything else happen when you approached it 
Um, some of our metal got zip zip booped. Is that some of your metal? What metal? They they seem to like metal. We we had a piece of metal from a giant. She just looked so confused by all this. She's just like (laughs) this. May this portal may have been constructed the same metal of these constructs. And so with that, she says. But from what I've heard, as she kind of like fingers over towards Norhill, like they seem to be made from and bound to the same metal that comes out of the mines of his homeland. Unless the metal that you're speaking of that was zooped over to the portal was the same dwarvish make, which Norhill can tell that's likely not the case, especially because you guys saw the portal made of that fancy schmancy metal that like can't be worked. So with that, she says, I not the same. Otherworldly metals and, and strange portals, she says. Is there anyone who saw this in function? Were there any survivors from your from your quest to the mountain? Or were they all destroyed with the fall of the aspect? It sounds like everything that was still in direct connection with the aspect has died. Um we do have the body of their high priest that we're gonna be returning to her brother Obroth who was the one who um, sent us to Bolt's Crag to begin with. So with that she says is she alive in my castle? No. No, no, She is deceased but she did not disappear like the rest it seems. Her eyes near fall out of her skull at that mention and she says how? Um well Klika asked her really nicely to save Anton from Felyur, and she did. And I don't think Felyur liked that, so he killed her, and maybe that's why she didn't disappear like poof. Perhaps. Perhaps her soul was saved. Perhaps this is divine intervention. Aki Rin appeared at the top of the mountain. Perhaps there is some sort of divine intervention at, at work here. You must save her. If she is dead, there must be some magics. She turns to Anton almost like angrily, and she says, she may be our only hope to understanding these portals and these gates. Do you know of any sort of restorative magics to bring her to life? He says, no, I'm not sure if my priest knows of anything black and she says, first. In Glory Wake, but there may be of someone here in the king in the heart of the kingdom itself. I've preserved the body up till now. From what you know, the church in Glory Wake is the most impressive church in the kingdom, and that's kind of like like the papacy of the kingdom there. So with that, she she says, if anybody can do it, it would be the high priest. Have there been revivals at, at at the church in the time that you were ever there? No. That's that's a big no for Anton. There have not been. This is a ceremony you've never even seen happen or heard of happening, other than in like quasi-biblical tales of like saints being brought back. You know what I mean? But even then, like that's hundreds of years ago with like old holy magic. So hearing this is like, you know. Can you roll a religion check for me, actually, at advantage? Yeah. <laughs> Here comes the railroad stop to the campaign where she says, One second, because I got a 17 and a two. 
twenty. And okay. I'm, uh, 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 from, from what you know about this kind of magic and those kinds of spells, you know that they usually come at a cost, both to the deceased who's coming back and also those who cast it, as well as material components that are of purest make that can potentially bring these creatures back to life and restore them with life. Um, you specifically know that a spell such as that, they would have to work for you know our deceased friend here, Antonia, it would have to be a diamond of sizable value. And so it falls upon you at this point to mention this, I suppose. I haven't heard of it being done at the church, but I imagine it is a limited resources beyond the toll it can take on the body and the caster itself. It also requires a sizable diamond of great worth. This is clearly not something we think of simply storing in a church. So with that, she says, so what would you have me do? If you could provide us with a diamond at least. Uh, for I'm some way, I, I don't know what more your guard can do is ensure a safe passage and if not speedy passage to Glorywick. So I'd that, rather not displace my priest. So with that, she kind of shifts about a little bit in her seat and she says, what you're asking of me is quite a sum of money. And I hope you understand that in a time like this, where war is on the horizon, now with an unseen foe, these resources could potentially be used in a better place. I can't tell what tomorrow will bring, and I don't know what these warring factions will bring us. And so at this point, I don't know. It doesn't seem like she's going to be tossing you guys this diamond right off, you know, off the flick of her wrist. Imagine the story, though. Add your order, and from out of your own treasury, the one and only person who could ever tell us what we're dealing with, uh, brought back from the dead, the first such person in, in you know, mortal lifetime. And so with that, she says, but what if they don't know anything? There'll always be a gamble. She says, and you're asking me to gamble with precious resources. Look at you're it. asking oh. us to bring someone back from the dead. She says, this is true. But what if they don't know? What if they do? You have to understand my conundrum here. You have to understand th this, this dilemma I'm faced with. Because this is no short sum of money. And from what you know, she's probably going to have to fork up like 2,500 gold pieces, close to 5,000, somewhere around there. And that's, even though she's a queen, like, that's a lot of money for a sitting nobility. Like, for what it's worth, that's still a lot of money to just, like, throw out of pocket at a bunch of people in her in her hall. But it just looks like this is one of those situations where it's just going to take kind of convincing her. There's no heirlooms. Find your own diamond. Be, there's no heirlooms that can be converted? No things that simply sit and take dust? Or be worn? That could be of more value to restore a life? She says, I don't have diamonds of that size, but I could I could potentially provide you with the money if you think that's what's best. But I'm asking you, as potential, you know, knights in my court, do you think that this is the best idea? What else do we have? I'm channeling back to that episode of Consequences, if anybody else is feeling that vibe. 
And I, I would counter, what else do we have? Because believe me, I want nothing more than to tell you no. We're where we should spend those resources elsewhere. Gather a full muster, march upon my kingdom immediately, and free its people. But there's something else here. I know it. I feel it. I've been told it. And so with that, she lifts an eyebrow up. Can I get a diplomacy check on that one or a persuasion uh, as you five eaters will do? Seventeen. So with that, she kind of tilts back in, in her throne here and she says, if this is your wish, I will provide you with the resources. And so with that, she says, come morning, I will have the money and we will have somebody go off to our local jeweler and they will say on Queen's errand that they need that purchase. It will be done. She says, but I'm entrusting you not to lose this as well as to make sure that this quest is complete. She is brought to life and she is brought here for questioning. Of course. And she says, I will do what it takes to get my money's worth of answers out of her. If she knows things about that portal, I will know what she knows. <laughs> you guys are like, hey, so that I owe you. Uh, it's starting to sound a little bit more spooky. But Okay. Anton just doesn't like this because that's breaking the balance so bad. Wait, why is it breaking the balance? Because <laughs> you're bringing something back from the dead. He's never seen that happen. It's kind of like that's like this is upsetting a... things a little bit. Yeah, but that's no. I guess I mean you can feel that way if you want to personally, but I guess the way that the church looks on those examples as being like miraculous, like this is exemplifying how unbound the power of God can be when put to the right cause and showing that like mortals have the capabilities when powered by, you know, the God battery to be able to like bring someone back. You know what I mean? Like that it's, it's seen as like a moment of like, holy awe. I can see why Anton would be like, this is too much to comprehend that you're going to be in the same room and watching it. But the way the church views it is not like we're doing freaky shit in this room, guys don't look instead. It's just like <laughs> the power of God. You know what I mean? Castle Grayskull and all that shit. But, you know, He-Man. Whatever. Things, I guess. Yeah, I guess he just doesn't comprehend it because he's just like, that's not natural. You're returning this little back. That's Ronnie, are you of... having a Ronnie moment right now? No. <laughs> I think that you can be made that just it. by virtue of the fact that it's possible it's natural. Either way, she says that you are all free to stay here in her quarters and stay here at the castle. Um, and in the morning, they'll have everything situated for you guys. And they'll have a carriage set up to take you off to Glory Wake in the morning. Um, Miss Garavar, we spoke to some <laughs> of the Tome Guard when we were in Dustwind. And they mentioned that they would be coming this way to try and protect you from the eyes of Felior. Did they ever turn up here? She says, as she kind of looks confused, she says, I did not see any of them. I never heard of any any envoy of, of the Tome Guard coming here. And my first in command never told me of having seen them. Hmm. Okay. Um, and Kliko just wants you to know that um, 
the woman ought to say uh she um she did a really good thing at the very end of her life so just don't don't be too mean to her when she's back can you give a persuasion check on that This is going to be hot. Oh, I actually got that 20 minus 119. Well, <laughs> shit. Okay. And so with that, I mean, I'll, t- I'll keep the crit on it. But with that, she kind of like sits cross-legged for a second and then releases the leg and kind of leans forward. And she says, as almost trying to get down to your level, she says, when we speak of the war times and we speak of the great betrayal of gnomes, which I suppose is not as great a betrayal anymore from what I'm hearing, we have never forgotten the decency of the Dedraka, and we will never ever be able to pay back the kindness and loyalty that the goblins have showed to us all. And with that, she says, Klika, you are exemplary of your people, and I'm proud to have you in my court. I will be kind to this woman and understanding. But if she don't tell me what I need to fucking hear, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just pulls out first the, the carrot then the stick yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> and then the ranch um and so oh, now no. with that the party goes to bed morning comes and about noontime after eating well in the queen's dollar a uh, couple of um couriers come to you guys with a small metal chest with a large lock on the front of it and they tell you that within is the diamond which has been procured so that's where we're going to end it. Hey, everybody. It's the young Grognard here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks.